Hey, look, there that? he is. Look at him, hey, everybody. There How he you is, old. One it's of the greatest. Uh, I got. I believe I got to meet you a bunch of times at Heavy Montreal with both uh, Slayer and Exodus. Oh God, that was a million years ago. But great shows, though. I mean, Metal hey. Church, uh, Agent Steel. Um, yeah. Yeah, who and else was on that? Everybody, and you had just gotten Steve back in, so Zutra. So. Perfect. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the first show I ever played in uh, Montreal. Uh, oh, that's a metal fest. <laughs> oh God, the metal fest. I thought you were that showing was... your age for real there. <laughs> I'm trying to think, metal fest was like eighty three. I mean, that's a long. Uh, Eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah, like... That's the bonded by blood came out. That's the one I thought you were talking about. That one's no, no, no. Heavy Montreal. Uh, Heavy. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. Yeah, not, 2014 or whatever. It and was. I wasn't even born, so you know. <laughs> well, for 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 the first one, no. Fucking <laughs> <Like> youngsters. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And by the well, way, the the Metal Mayhem Fay has a uh, uh, Jeremy that was put together by the record store Rock on Stock and the oh, owner nice. Michelle. Yeah. So that's old. That's very yeah. old. <laughs> was Stefanji Rue still working there at the time? Yeah, he probably he was. was. Anyway, and he still had hair. He still had hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into this. Persona non grata, brand new record coming out on November 19th. You can pre-order right now wherever music is sold. Welcome to the show. Mr. Gary Holt. There he is, everybody. Yeah. How you doing? What's going How's it on? Going? So talk about this record. Uh, I mean, I was reading somewhere that you've kind of had this recorded and in the can for quite some time, and it's finally going to be able to come out. Um, you must be excited to finally get it out there. Well, we finished the final mix, like, I, I think around February. I mean, uh, but, you know, Tom's... Tom Hunting's cancer battle, you know, we just right. pushed this back, you know, in, ho in hopes that, you know, every, in hopes that the pandemic would have passed us by and Tom would be better. Tom's better. The pandemic's still here. So, you know, we're putting it out anyway. But, you know, um, the pandemic was our friend in the actual making of this album. We worked on it longer than we ever had time to because that's all we could control was our you know, our own creative process. And we mixed the thing about 20 times, probably. <laughs> I lost count, you know. Does it yeah, get yeah, dangerous, but... though, when you sit on it that long that you just start thinking, hey, you know what? If we went back and just added an extra vocal here and maybe if I just doubled my get, like, do you get into that mode of, like, overthinking it? Um, you can, uh, you know, with the mixing, maybe you can. But we feel that the final mix we did was worth that one last shot at it because it was done for about a month. Right. And I hit up Andy Sneap and said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And, mm -hmm. you know, I checked with the label and it hadn't gone into manufacturing yet. You know, so we did it and we're glad we did. But um, I'm, there's always something I want to do differently and do better, you know, but that's why we work hard to make the next album better. You know, um, you know, you never finish an album, you abandoned it. You know, <laughs> right? You're like, yeah. damn it, we got to go tour. Just put, just put yeah. it out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if you if you make the perfect album, where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, where, where's the yeah, fun yeah. in that? You can only go down at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we're really happy and really proud of this album. We knew we made something super special, and uh I usually, when an album is mixed, I never listen to it again unless yeah. I have to refresh on learning something. And this album, I listened. It was in my car on constant play all through the summer. I just couldn't believe how good it came out. Well, you hear a lot of movie stars talk about that. You know, they finish the movie, they go to the premiere, and they never watch it again. You know, maybe they'll scroll through it on direct TV or something. Is that like a self-conscious thing? Like, do you not like listening back to yourself? Or Well, by the time we've mixed it, I've heard it a thousand times, 10,000 times, you know, and like 
all right, I'm kind of over it. I want to make a new one now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. But uh, this one, it's a, it's badass. I'm super stoked. Talk about working with Andy on this. I mean, you know, with him mixing and everything and being involved in the in the project. I mean, with somebody like that who's got really good ears, you can't really go wrong. Well, Andy's been like a sixth member of this band since 97. He's worked in one capacity or another on every album we've done. Because we work so well together. We're, he's one of my closest friends, for one. So, you know, we have a good time. We can't always have him here, which we wanted him here on this album. You know, pandemic, he's not busy with Priest. But, you know, flight restrictions and all that, we were worried that if we fly him out to the U.S., maybe we can't get him home. <laughs> like, yeah. Or so we then you'd have to feed and, for, feed and board him. You know, that would be bad. Yeah, yeah, for, you know, for who knows how long. And I'd get tired of the motherfucker by then. <laughs> He'd be like Tom Hanks in Terminal, just stuck at JFK. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um, but we wanted him there because Andy says working on an Exodus record, like, there personally it's like walking into an episode of the banana splits <laughs> oh god see i understand the reference jeremy i'll explain it to you later don't worry okay. yeah <laughs> uh, no he also said it's like walking into a cartoon world because we're all cartoon characters and uh when you're around us privately it's really bizarre <laughs> it's pretty funny it's fun all day long it's you know there's no sh shortage of like laughter that's well, like sure. i think that's part of the creative process though right like 90 percent of the time it's about the hang really well uh, for us it is that's why um you know we only one album since uh 2003 has been recorded start to finish in a regular recording studio we build studios in vacation homes and old defunct studio warehouse spaces and uh we prefer to like make it like summer camp we live together we barbecue we cook we drink and we make metal. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the first thing is you have to enjoy each other's company enough to do that. Yeah. A lot of bands don't, you know. Um, but for us, it totally works. You know, we don't want to fight traffic, get into the studio every day. We want to wake up, have coffee and breakfast and walk into another room and start recording. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the bands these days, it's kind of like a business transaction. And then outside of the stage, <laughs> I don't even want to see the other guy or we yeah, talk to yeah, so many exactly. guys like that. It's like, what's where's the fun in that? Totally, totally. No, we we have a good time. On the uh, anniversary of Eddie Van Halen's passing this year, you posted a really nice little tribute on there with like an homage, and he said that he's been immortalized in the song "The Years of Death and Dying." Um, is there also going to be like some Eddie homage in the guitar playing on the record, or is that just sort of in embedded in you already? Um, I think there's some of that embedded in me. Um, just was one of my hugest influences. Uh, you know, um, the first solo I did after his passing that was on Lunatic Liar Lord, and there's a little Eddie on that one, I think. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, Tom Hunting was working on the lyrics for a long time. It started as a poem about loss and people we know of loss are just huge influences. And then Eddie passed away. And I said, we have to, like, include him in this. We we're able to be that, like, current, you know, on, on the thing. And uh, so we just, you know referred to him as the eruption you know we didn't want to like be like blatant obvious you know right like that so it's like a subtle and, um, homage in a way yeah yeah exactly and um he's one of my heroes you know it's gone way too soon well talk about eddie a little bit i mean what was it about his playing that made you think like damn that's a good player right there yeah uh well i mean come on you eruption yeah. <laughs> as a young kid who did not play guitar at all then you know the first time i heard it my brother bought the album home you know i'm the youngest of six and i, I heard that and like 
And I'd never heard whammy bar like that. You know, I mean, the two people who are the reason or the blame that there's a whammy bar in almost all my guitars is Eddie Van Halen and Uli John Roth, you know, mm-hmm. Eddie's whammy bar work on uh, the debut album and uh, Scorpions Virgin Killer. Listen, yeah, to that song. that's it's a great song. There. Hey, let me just and, quickly uh, ask you about that, about the, the Scorpions. You you have said in the past that Michael Schenker, Uli John Roth, and Matthias are your heroes or influences. Three of the big ones, yeah. Michael Schenker's number two on my all-time greats list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I hear Michael and Uli come up a lot, but not a lot of people give credit to Matthias. He's sort of that unsung hero. What, what about mm-hmm. his playing where you go, you know what? I'm going to have to call him out too because he gets ignored a lot. Yeah, he gets way ignored. If you when he when he burst when he came out, you know, before when he was stepping in some monstrous shadows, did a great job. You know, Love Drive. They still had Michael play. You know, most of the solos, and then Blackout came out, and that's when he just he just said, you know, hold my beer, (laughs) yeah, and he just destroyed it and love it first sting and everything. And then you know, you know, my greatest jealousy of all people in Europe is that you look at Scorpion set lists in Germany, they'd play, you know, six, seven, eight Uli Roth era songs. And Matthias would hit and nail every solo. He'd do them all. And we would get, you know, you know, um, winds of change and and all that. Like I went on what was supposed to be their final tour, you know? And um, I was looking at the set list they were playing elsewhere and like, you know, smoke the sky and you're getting sales of Quran and stuff. And then over here you get, I didn't get that. Yeah. I did not get polar nights. (laughs) I did not get virgin killer. I did not get, he's a woman. She's a man. Yeah. The list goes on and on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, yeah. They're still Scorpion's greatest German rock band of all time. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, well, you, we've got the Wacken 2006 DVD to, to, to salivate over because, the, man, they pulled out the crazy stuff that time. But Yeah, uh, absolutely. Talk about uh, your guitars. I mean, for the longest time, you're you're one of the longest ESP endorsers through the years. When everybody's jump ships, I either go to Gibson or Fender or, you know, rocking a Jackson or Charvel, you, you've stuck with ESP, you've stayed there. What is it about those guitars that you just have been in love with for all this time? Well, I, I had a detour. I mean, I was with ESP in the 90s when we were doing the reunion with Bailoff. And then, you know, like basically almost retired and fell out of sight for a while. And then I was with Schechter for a few years. But then um, we played Kirk Hammett's Fair Festival and ESP had delivered a bunch of guitars to Kirk to use that day. And I looked at them and went through them before Kirk even showed up. And I like had told someone, I'm keeping this one. This one's mine. And uh <laughs> And uh, Chris Canella, who was the head of A&R at ESP at the time, said, yeah, if you just do a greeting for our ESP, like anniversary video, you can have it. All right, done. You got it, son. (laughs) And and Kirk Kirk convinced me. And I went over and like the guitars are amazing. They're the best I've ever played. The consistency is amazing. Like, you know, I could have my tech just, you know, blindfold me and hand me any of them. I'd be happy. Right. You know, it doesn't have to like, I like this one. The other ones are okay, but I, I have to have this one. Fix it, you know, play any of them. I play my cheaper models on stage all the time because they're lighter and easier on my bad back. But the, they're just incredible instruments, incredible people behind the company, as importantly as the quality of the people there. Yeah. And um, they built me some nut shit and they don't like really bat an eye. All right, we'll figure it out. 
<laughs> yeah, all right, we'll do it. It's it's I find it interesting because when I think of you you, know, you you play a Les Paul style ESP with the Floyd on it, and the only other three guys I can think of are I mean Neil Sean, Alex Lifeson, and uh Brad Gillis are the real only ones that pop in my head and, and you really. What what is it well, about you just named you just named three of the most badass dudes in the world. Neil Sean is in my top five of all guitar players of all time. You know, um, and uh, yeah, you know, who says a you know Floyd uh, Gibson body can't have a Floyd? It's pretty common now. Yeah, you know, like you know, it's not like it was when Brad Gillis had one on his, and oh, that's sacrilegious. But wait, listen to what he's doing. Woo, badass. You know, yeah. And it's still a bit of controversy, uh, you know, between Brad and Neil. You're going back and forth. Like, I was the first to do it. No, no, no. I was the first to do it. I was the first to do it. So <laughs> I have to give that to Brad. Sorry, Neil. At least the first I ever saw with a Floyd Rose on a Les Paul. Yeah, yeah. There was a big I mean, article. You know, Brad, Brad had taken the ballsy step of taking an actual Les Paul and taking it to someone and saying, cut a giant hole in this for me, please. Right. Like it's a, it's a freaking less like that's a tree trunk like who would even think of doing it and the top oh, yeah, of how expensive of they like are luthiers would say no I'm not doing that uh uh-uh. yeah why risk it yeah that's like you know someone going to a plastic surgeon and asking to like you know I want the Michael Jackson nose <laughs> like no not gonna do it you might yeah, they, you find someone who will you know <laughs> well they tried to do that to Mitch and look how he turned out yeah. I know and by the way that that liquid metal lava. Uh, version of yours of the um what, what's it called again the uh gary holt ec so fucking beautiful it's beautiful. it's it's a stunning paint job it's i had a guy send me photos he had someone do a pretty had a painter do a pretty good replica of that finish on his chopper it looked amazing i mean it's like a wow, show on his bike finish. wow that's it's pretty enough. sick hmm. that's kind of i got cool. something something in the works coming up soon it's gonna be pretty rad okay oh, nice so if we do a video for ESP, will they send us a send us one? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you shoot them a message on that. One. Hi, it's Jeremy and Mitch for ESP. Every other guitar manufacturer sucks, but ESP, man, they rock. <laughs> yeah. I got my newest one hanging up right there. Oh, come on, let's girl. see it. Oh, grab let's it. See it. Let's see come it. Come on, let's see that thing. Come on, let's see that thing. Come on. Let's get some wood on the webcam today. All right. Yeah, look at that thing. <laughs> Oh, look at that. Wow. Look at that top. Oh, that looks like the uh, Billion Dollar Babies album cover. Look at that. And look at the back of this thing. Wow. Pretty sick. Neck through. Is it a mahogany body? That's what you call wood. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that a translucent top and like it's it's painted that way or or is that like a paint job? Translucent top with a green stain. His name Mm. is Booger. Booger, yeah. Andy Snape said it looks like a bloody booger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it totally does it looks that looks great wow yeah. hey talking about this record i mean i i know you've been playing the jcm 800s and all the you know the jubilee and all these marshals through the years when you're doing these records these days is it worth it miking up a real amp or are you guys going totally digital these days no no this is all real amps on this album um there's a couple of little guitar parts on prescribing horror that were like actually imported from garage band on a demo and they sounded cool and we why fuck with it but uh it's all amps mics speakers you know digital recording is cool you know on uh blood in blood out we use the kempers because mm. you know i have a profile on modded marshall and we weren't quite set up for like miking all this stuff up and um but i don't prefer to work that way because you you miss the funnest part of recording which is the chasing of the tone 
right moving that's the mics the, around that's and favorite part and when you get it and you know you you're ready and you got it you're like oh yeah it's like yeah and then you're excited and you're fired up and you're feeling it and your hands are creating this like symphony between pickup strings amp tubes speakers and microphones and and um it's awesome my favorite yeah. thing to do I guess there really is something to it still. I mean, like that response between the guitar and the speaker and the mic placement on the on on the cone and trying to find those tones. And I, yeah, I, I guess you can't really recreate that with the Kemper. I mean, you could try and dial it in, but and, I mean, the Kemper is a great tool. I use it all the time. Um, but I won't record with it anymore. I just did it once. So then that's always amps and stuff and chasing tone. You know, yeah. plug plug whatever it is into whatever it is to see what works. You know, try anything and everything. Yeah. So straight up on this record, it was a 100% organic album. I mean, drums are real, guitars are real, and a little garage band, it's and a little garage punishing. band. It's it's killer. We worked hard on it. Hey, let me ask you just real quick uh, about getting Zetro back. Uh, he came back a few years ago. Second album with him since his return. Talk to me about his voice and what he brings because you know Rob had his thing, and of course uh, Paul before before he passed away. Uh, what does Zetro bring to the band where you said, yeah, this is the voice that we have to have back. He's, he's the guy. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say, you know, cause I love Rob's vocals. I love the albums we did with Rob. It's like when we were, we we're putting yeah, out too. some dark progressive thrash masterpieces. I mean, it's my opinion, you know, I'm my own biggest fan. So fuck it. Um, <laughs> but I love that shit. And, you know, and Paul, you know, is the voice of the early days, but Zetro's he's the voice of a large part of the band's career and there's an organic thing that happens when you hear it with with tom's drums and my riffs and and lee's riffs and jack's bass and stuff it just kind of seems like it's meant to be you know yeah yeah it really is um just really a quick comment on your slayer days i mean the band has has done the farewell tour and they're leaving though recently in the media they said Maybe we called it a day a little too early, but how exciting was that? And how difficult was it to balance your obligations to Exodus and still go out on tour with Slayer? It was very difficult. Um, I missed being in Exodus. I missed being there. You know, um, when they announced that, you know, privately that we were going to do a top final two year farewell tour, you know, it was, it was both sad and also, um, a positive thing for me because you know i had a two-year countdown on my return to exodus you know I, you know i'd accomplished everything i, I could have hoped with slayer you know i mean i, I mean i'd be foolish to, to say it didn't boost my profile and and you know a lot more people know who the hell i am now and because mm -hmm. of that exodus and uh but i really missed it you know you get some haters out there online like oh, how could he miss that you know well, good luck going back to you know playing clubs or whatever you know it i i went two months after selling out the forum for two nights i was back in europe taking a shower in some dirty backstage shower that you wear your flip-flops because you don't want some foot fungus and i didn't give a fuck i loved it it was awesome you know like cool who's it where's the towels you right. Know, yeah. You're not a fucking I, poser. You're about it. You just want to play. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I've never had a problem living like that. You know, it's like, you know, Exodus plays, you know, we'll do seven to 10 shows in a row, you know, before we get a night off because we need to. We need to make money. You know, Slayer never did more than two in a row. 
Wow. In the last few years. And that was awesome. You know, you know, I was pampered and babied and staying at the finest hotels, but also had a lot of downtime, yeah. you know, sitting around you're like, you know, what else to do? There's nothing know? more metal than walking through the Ritz Carlton oh, right, right. and seeing Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do the love the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, this very typical question, which I'm sure you've heard a lot, but the, the story of Bonded by Blood, it was delayed and so on and so forth. And everybody says, well, if it hadn't been delayed and had it come out when it was supposed to come out, they would have been as big as Metallica, as big as Megadeth, as big as Slayer. I mean, do, do, do you think that, uh, you know, how come you're playing those clubs where with the foot fungus? Where 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 did it sort of along the way not get to that point where you were the next Metallica? Because the songs are there. Well, the energy is there. First, let me say in Europe, some of the finest clubs and theaters, you have foot fungus showers. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, you know, we're taking showers in those showers because we're saving money by not wasting on hotels. Um, yeah. I waste, I give zero fucks about what ifs and what should have been or could have been, you know, like I'll, let, I'll leave that up to other people. Okay. Um, you know, did it, did it harm us in the delay? Yes. Would we have become as big as Metallica? Fuck no. Metallica took chances and did things at Exodus, you know, for better or worse, it pigeonholed ourselves against doing that. Could you, you couldn't imagine us doing some ballad power ballad with Paul Bailoff singing <laughs> yeah. or Steve Souza, you know, we're, we're on to <laughs> no our, eyeliner in the nineties. <laughs> we're on to our 11 albums, still no ballads, you know, Metallica <laughs> made the most perfect metal album of all time, uh, master of puppets. And um, would, could we have been as big as our, the other big four contemporaries? Absolutely. I think, our our correct path would have been just to stick to being as nasty and violent as ever and that because that worked for slay and we we're more musically uh um similar you know um mm -hmm. whereas you know megadeth ventured out and anthrax rapping sometimes and stuff but you know i mean 57 i'm still here i'm still making music and uh i got nothing to complain about did, did you right. have those discussions with band and management and record company where they said listen we need a nothing else matters or we need a no no never you never had no never. so you just you just stayed true and you just you never thought wow maybe the mascara cut the hair well yeah you never had an a and r guy like over your shoulder saying hey listen maybe sell out for one song so we get some radio play and then when when we did our second album pleasures of the flesh uh they had sent an uh a producer from florida who's famous for a lot of the combat record stuff i'm i'm kind of missing the name right now they'd sent it out because we had to fire our longtime manager and first sound producer mark whitaker because you know he was, there was mistakes being made you know attempting mm -hmm. to trigger drums without the proper technology and not making sure the natural drums sounded great in the first place right. we're having yeah. to fix the album you know more than anything but they sent this guy out we realized our engineer was great who went on to work with exodus through all of us you know through fabulous disaster and other stuff mark senesak and uh, we locked that fool out of the studio. <laughs> they sent someone to look at us and we closed the door and locked it. Just stay the fuck out of here. And he went home after a couple of days, you know, because he was not welcome. Right. We don't need babysitters. And uh, any A&R sitting there spouting shit in my ear, good and bad. I don't need it. I'm trying to make an album. <laughs> Our whole goal always is to make music we like. If you're lucky, right. someone else does too. That's all it is. Right. So, so no guy was there. You know, if you just put some keyboards on this, it would be, it would really no, make it. No. 
<laughs> we have enough dumb ideas on our own. <laughs> yeah, you know, this song, it would sound really good with an orchestra on this one, I think, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm already the guy pulling out like a theremin on the new albums. <laughs> oh, nice. John Spencer blues explosion style. Need the theremin, yeah, you know. Plugged into a full high gain Marshall Jubilee. It did. It was. It was uncontrollable, but it sounds killer on the beginning of uh, the beatings will continue. Oh, shit. That sounds awesome. Sounds just like whammy bar noise because it's so distorted. You know? Yeah. Almost like a sustainer or like an Ebo, maybe. Yeah. yeah just sort of trying to create kind of like a siren effect without putting some siren on there. You didn't go rip it off YouTube. <laughs> no, no. I mean, as soon as you turn the amp on, you didn't even have to have a hand near it. It was just going, what? Like, yeah. there's so much gang going on, but then you did your thing and it right. would uh, oscillate and stuff. It was cool. Here, let me oh, ask you this. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the excitement about making new music. Because a lot of bands that we know, they get stuck into we, our 15-song set list. We played for the tw- next 20 years. But when Exodus makes a new record, the fans anticipate it. They want it. They, they don't want just the greatest hits. They want you to bring something to the table. Is that kind of cool that you still have a, a fan base that's hungry and thirsty for new music and allows you to create new music? Absolutely. I mean, we, we make new music and we don't do it to sit it off to the side and not play it, you know. And some of the songs over the years from our, I guess, our comeback, you'd call it, uh, when we did Temple of the Dam, some of them like Blacklist are probably the one of the biggest hits in the set we have to play it you know and there's a lot of songs like that and songs we get criticized when we don't play them you know new stuff and uh i mean hell we didn't play toxic waltz for several years you know? like mm-hmm. i kind of went on a like i won't play it you know i'm not playing that song it's silly and then we brought it back and i watched people just absolutely explode and kill each other and like all right we should play it we should play it yeah but right. you know what i enjoy it now you know I do think that sometimes songs should be given a vacation. I mean, I think Metallica's Nothing Else Matters could, could take a five-year break, honestly. you know. Yeah, I mean, they got a catalog of songs, you know, I mean, second to none. They they could, like, they could yeah. kill some stuff and, you know, if I take out Nothing Else Matters and play, you know, Motograph, no one's going to Do a proper classic thrash show. I'm not complaining. Throw in Leopard Messiah or, or, or Blackened or whatever. Straw. I'm going to take a little quick thing. I, I saw Metallica on their Death Magnetic. I saw eight shows and I was in Quebec City and they played Shortest Straw and it was just like, oh, they're fucking playing it. It was, it was just such yeah. a great moment. I mean, I admire them. You know, the the fact that they constantly change the set list up, you know? Yeah. You know, um, I think with, a, you know, they have a rehearsal room everywhere they go. Though, so, you know, they're able to like work these things out. A lot of bands now, due to geographical challenges, people living all over, spread out now. Or the uh, lights are already synced to the rehearse. Yeah. You know, or the lights the, are already synced to the Pro Tools vocal track. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of bands don't ever rehearse. I mean, you know, like Carrie and both Paul Bostaff, they rehearsed for every tour. I did not rehearse with Slayer for years. Wow. <laughs> Wow. But, you know, but some people are different. You know, some people have to be their hands on and and practice to be tight. They can't mm-hmm. do it any other way. I would play every song I knew in the Slayer catalog, regardless of what the set was at home repeatedly. And I'd show up ready to go. If Carrie had a new song, I'd still wouldn't go down and rehearse. I'd show up ready to play it. 
Whenever nice. they were. You know, I got to say, I think Exodus I needs rehearsals with choreographed moves. I, I think I think we need to work our way into that, you know, with the guitars at the same time, yeah. and maybe yeah, a couple I'll of dancers. I mean, just that's the hard part. Getting those things <laughs> tight. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, he's offended. They actually are choreographed. Don't you watch them? <laughs> I do. What I, I listen, at, at Heavy Montreal, they were great. I, I just they were yeah. fucking fantastic. And so was well, Slayer, listen, by the way. Persona and, non grata. Available November 19th. You can pre-order it now. We're running out of time. Uh, before we wrap up, my buddy Bruce wanted me to ask you one thing because he's a huge fan. Out of all the things that he could have asked me to ask you, he wanted me to ask you. He said, oh, you're interviewing my favorite metal cat dad. Ask him about Catterday and what we can expect coming up. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm like the most famous cat dude who does not have a cat. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what he was saying. Because <laughs> I was busy recording all, and touring constantly and my wife works. And uh, my cat was lashing out at like being home alone all the time, you know. And so we rehomed him to a really good friend of mine and his family there and has a small child to play with at all times. Mm -hmm. I've come very close during this pandemic to getting another cat, but my grandson's father is extremely allergic to cats. Ah. And, you know, and they, if I want my family to gather in the house all the time, like I have in this pandemic and you know, spend time with my grandson, but not just him. Having a cat makes it difficult. He, he'd walk in the house and immediately just everything's just a mess. And that's yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't can't, gotten can't, one. I've come can't close. Do cats. Can't do cats. They they just my nose, my eyes are just right. He'd away. walk in the house, dogs too, and like that. But you know, an hour ago I looked outside my window and there were six deer in my driveway. So you know, I have other pets. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be deer day now instead of catter day. Yeah, but no, I, I, you know, it started as a cat meme. It's just become an expected thing. And I'm yeah. sent lots of quality content by people <laughs> who follow the page. Good. Just, yeah, just, just repost, you know, which yeah. is great. And I have, just, a, I have a whole folder on my phone. I've got probably a hundred that have never been used. <laughs> you got prep. <laughs> no. I mean, I'll just like, all right, what's for today? Catter day prep. That's what you need. Out yeah, totally. <laughs> all right okay. well gary it was so great to meet you and this is a really fun chat the best of luck with the record it's out november 19th you can pre-order right now are you guys doing the vinyl and uh, all the cds all but... that shit yeah vinyl everything but eight track and reel to reel <laughs> nice yeah the vinyl the gatefolds and everything everybody's uh all about collecting that shit so. versions yeah yeah we have a special Wait. version coming out with uh decibel magazine uh the long form box like the cds used to come in wow nice that's old school. That's old school, yeah. The ones you didn't want to have to rip up to get your CD out. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's what, the, yeah, yeah they, they used to put that night's covering, and then you'd go, oh, I'm just going to tear it up and throw it out. So, so you'd buy two copies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Good old days. Good old days. Yep. Thank yeah, you, sir. Absolutely. Absolute right, pleasure. All right, guys, thank you. Have a good day. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. There you go.